Welcome to the Gospel According to with Ryan and Mike, a conversation designed to explore what makes the gospel good news in various books and topics of the Bible. Hey everybody, so in our first discussion of the book of Romans, Mike and I tried to give an introduction to Romans by considering the purpose of Romans. And Romans is not just a collection of doctrinal statements of the Christian faith, but what the Apostle Paul is aiming at is the harmony of all believers. And so we looked last time at Romans 15, verses 8 and 9, and I want to reread those passages to get us started today. Romans 15, verse 8, for I tell you that Christ became a servant to the circumcised to show God's truthfulness in order to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs and in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. Now, I said last time, and I'll say it again, these have become my favorite verses at this moment. And of course, anybody who knows me knows I'll change my mind in a week in the book of Romans, that Christ became the servant of the book of Isaiah to the circumcised to show God's truthfulness, confirming the promises to the patriarchs. Now, if the book of Romans is aiming at unity between circumcised and uncircumcised, that is Israelite in the nations, we could say it another way, Jew and Gentile. If the book of Romans is aiming at harmony between these different groups, and Christ is the model and the fulfillment of the promises, we first need to understand what is the Old Testament narrative and what are the promises that are leading us to this conclusion. Yeah. You really have to know this to get into Romans. And I'll say this, for those of you who have studied the Bible for years, the conversation today is not going to be perhaps anything that revealing. For those of you who are newer to biblical study, I think this is a going to be a very important conversation to contextualize Romans and try to fit it into the whole biblical narrative. So, Mike, that's a big task. Yeah. Well, let, let me let me add one more sort of, you know, sort of nuance to that too is is sort of said this in the last episode, but when it comes to Romans for a host of different reasons, it gets a, it attached to these other other narratives or other or or what we think Romans is saying is sort of read back in to interpret the other parts of the Bible story and all the, all this sort of stuff. And so where you know the historical story may not be new, uh, connecting it to Romans might be right. And and so the importance of telling this story and hearing this story again so that it's teeing us up to actually hear Romans within the biblical story as opposed to um, various contexts that have driven various interpretations over the years. Yeah, let me give just one example because I, I know what you mean by that. Others may not. So let me just use one example. So one of the common ways of reading Romans in evangelical circles in America has been something called the Romans Road. Yeah where Romans 1 through 3, all have sinned, Romans 4 through 6, Jesus has saved us, Romans 7 through 8, sanctification, Romans 9 to 11, something about Israel we don't understand, yeah. Romans 12 through 16, some nice statements about morality. Yeah, <laughs> and I sure. know that's a caricature, but yeah. that's going to be not, a caricature. <laughs> but, but not too much of a caricature. 
Yeah. I mean, but, it's treated but, it's treated as a little tract to like pass out to people on how to get saved. On how individuals can be saved, yeah. right? Yeah. And yeah. if that is the narrative that you're trying to read into Romans, you're as we said last time, you're looking for the wrong main attraction. Yeah. And and as we saw, yeah, in that passage, right? He's talking at a people group level. Yes. Israel and the nations, right? Yes. Those are those are as a national people group level, not you and me and him and her and all that stuff. And so what the apostle Paul's telling us here is the whole story of the old testament is leading us toward harmony of Jew and Gentile. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's the story I want you to take us toward so we can see its climax. Yeah. So I yeah. think that's better context. Go ahead. Sure. Totally. Yeah. So so you think about the the creation of the world and God's purpose for humanity to that, that, that you know, he created us in his image to rule the earth as his representatives. And yet that down double downward spiral in Genesis three through eleven, uh, where the nations end up being scattered and going their own way, living in rebellion against God, living in idolatry, and yet God's not given up on humanity, not given up on these various families of the earth, various nations of the earth. And so from all that, he zeroes in on an old man and an old woman through whom he is going to focus his purposes in the world. And 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 um he makes promises to Abraham and and um that that most most um, the sort of grandest of them all is that in him all families of the earth would be blessed in him it's re- rehashed in in Genesis 22 all nations of the earth would be blessed and and so we see that promise concentrated that purpose concentrated on Abraham it's passed down through his descendants through Isaac and through Jacob and through the sons of Jacob and that that family grows up into this nation, Israel, whom God brings out of slavery in Egypt, brings to Mount Sinai and says, I've, I've bore you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. Um, and, and I've made you to be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation, a people for my own possession. For all the earth is mine. I'm going to slow you down. (laughs) Okay, yeah. Okay, again, I'm having to be the one to slow you down. Um, So in three minutes, you just covered the whole book of Genesis and Exodus and took us right to Deuteronomy. Well, we've only got 20 minutes. So if I'm going to do the whole Bible story, we've got to do a short verse. But yes, by all means, slow me down. But I do want to focus on Genesis 22, and this is after the Akedah, the binding of Isaac. It says in Genesis 22, 18, in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. Mm-hmm. That promise that in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. That's going to be yeah. one of the foundational promises. God actually yeah. made nine promises to Abraham, not just three. Yeah. And this is going to be the, the answer to the problem of Genesis 11. So really yeah. Genesis 1 to 11 is all about the continual plunging into sin. And it culminates mm-hmm. in chapter 11 with the scattering of the nations where yeah. no longer will they be submissive to the name of Yahweh, but they will be scattered about to their own gods. Yes. The Abraham narrative is providing a solution to this. Correct. Through the promises to Abraham and through the offspring of Abraham, all the nations will be blessed. Even Babel, is going to find its solution because all nations will be blessed. Now, with that in mind, take us back through some of the Exodus stuff again. Yeah. So um, 
just for our purposes today, I won't get into all the details of the the slavery story and even the Exodus story, but I want to really want to focus on Mount Sinai after God's brought them out of Egypt, brought them to Mount Sinai. Um, he says in verse uh, four, you yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians, how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now then, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be my own possession among all the peoples, for all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words you shall speak to the sons of Israel. And so can God's brought these descendants, these offspring of Abraham out of Egypt and um, setting them apart as his own people, right? You've got all these nations out there serving, going after other gods, and yet God's going to specially invest in this one people who are the descendants of Abraham. And he makes a covenant with them and he calls them to obey him. And we see the the the, the vocation that he gives them um, is to be this royal priesthood, this holy nation among all the other nations. And uh, to, to use other language that will be applied later, they're to be a light to the other nations. They're to, to live in the world representing um, God to all these other nations to impact them, even at a, at a drawing them towards towards God, leading them to to worship God. And yet, what happens as this long winding story of Israel continues? We see Israel going the way of the nations, rather than Israel leading the nations to God and influencing nations for God and representing God to the nations. Israel conforms to the nations and in, and in many cases or some cases at least um, becomes worse than the nations it, it, it devolving even into child sacrifice and, and excesses of idolatry and injustice that makes the nations blush. And so um, we see this is what God called Israel to be. And yet with a few exceptions here and there in the story of Israel, we see they failed in their in their calling in their vocation and and forsook the covenant broke the covenant that God made with them and and that's what sets up passages like Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel and the prophets where we see the prophets grappling with Israel's unfaithfulness and um showing the curses of Deuteronomy will be coming upon them most notably exile that they would be going into exile and yet in the prophets, there's this, this anticipation of restoration, this, this expectation of restoration, all these visions and promises that God will indeed restore his people, um, restore them to glory, restore them to their, their, their place, and, and that he would do this. And this is, this is what marries so nicely with our Isaiah studies, that, that, that there would be this Messiah, this king, this servant who would do this work um, of restoration in dealing with sin and in, in, uh, in restoring Israel. And yet there's this anticipation that that not for Israel alone, uh, Isaiah uh, 49, right? Uh, it's too small a thing uh, to, just to bring my people Jacob back and restore my people Jacob, but you will also be a light to the nations that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. And so again, picking right in the same thread of what God promised 
um, to Abraham, what God called Israel for in the first place, we're seeing that being realized or anticipation of that being realized through the Messiah. Let me pause there because I feel like you're going to have something that you want to say. But before we uh, continue in that, let, let me give you a chance to jump in on that. How about I just repeat back what I heard you say? Perfect. And tell me what I'm missing. Yeah. So, you know, I love uh, poetic devices. If the problem in Isaiah was captivity and depravity, I think we can look at really the story of the Bible, uh, equal problem, perhaps just said a different way, sin and scattering. Mm-hmm. Sin and scattering. And this is the problem you see in Genesis 3. This is the problem in Genesis 11. But then Abraham and his promise seems like he's going to provide a solution to both. Through your offspring shall all nations be blessed. God then will redeem the nation of Israel, who is the offspring of Abraham. And the nation of Israel is meant to be that light to the nations. And that's what the whole Torah covenant's about, that they may be a light to the nations. But then as we go through the book of Judges, especially into the United Kingdom, into the divided kingdom, they don't fulfill that calling. Rather than being a light to the nations, they enter into the darkness of the nations. And so it's clear this is not the people through whom all nations are going to be blessed at this time. God is going to continue to work the narrative forward and continue to provide mercy until all nations are going to be blessed. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. All right. We'll keep going then. Yeah. And so that, that is this, this hope, this expectation then that, that leads us through the, 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 the law and the prophets and the writings. And so we see, um, the Gospels pick up into that story um, with the people of just a buzz in a state of expectation, as Luke tells us in Luke three. Right? They're just they're they've been for generations waiting on God to fulfill the promises and bring about the promised restoration and do the things He said He would do. And so John the Baptist comes on the scene, trying to stir the people up towards God, towards repentance and and walking in his way. And he himself then is pointing the way towards the one who would come after him. And so Jesus enters the scene as this great rabbi, this great prophet who is um, teaching what the will of God actually is, proclaiming the kingdom of God, that, that, that God is fulfilling these promises and bringing these things forward um, and, and trying to, again, restore Israel, just as Isaiah, Isaiah had said. Um, and, and, and you see the, the signs that he's doing, the, the, the miracles pointing to the, 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 the promises being fulfilled. And yet all of this story of Jesus leads up to his own, um, suffering and death on the cross that they, they describe as him in the in language of Isaiah, bearing the sins of the people, atoning for sin, being the propitiation for sin, being that redemption, dealing with the sin problem. Um, and so he's raised up, appears to his apostles over a period of these 40 days, and he's he's doing the most epic Bible study in the history of the world, right? Teaching them, um, showing how how the law and the prophets and the Psalms were all pointing towards the things that he would doing and, and showing how how suffering and glory uh intermingle within God's purposes and 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 pointing to the ways God was going to fulfill these purposes. And so when the story of Acts picks up, um 
and Jesus ascends to heaven to sit at the right hand of God as Messiah uh, and reign in the midst of his enemies. He sends forth the spirit uh, in fulfillment of the promises um, and, and, and the gospel is proclaimed. Jesus is proclaimed as Lord in Christ. Um, and, and you see people, um, turning to him, right? Convicted. We've killed our Messiah. Is there any hope left? And, and Peter says, yes, there's hope. Turn, repent, be baptized in his name, receive the gift of the spirit. I, you're, you're jumping off the edge of your seat. Go ahead. Yeah, no, I mean, it's brilliant. I mean, literally 16 okay. minutes in and you have told the whole Bible story. And I mean that, that. Yeah. The whole Bible story is about through your offspring shall all nations be blessed. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Somebody comes and fulfills that. And to make yeah. sure we're clear, who is that? Yeah, that's Jesus, right? Yeah. And I mean, echoing yeah. the words of Isaiah 49, verse 6, to the servant, I will make you a light for the nations that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. Right. And here, salvation is not merely an individual thing. It's the unity of God with man, with humanity. Yeah. And the unity of all nations. This is what Isaiah is promising us of. Yeah. And this is what Jesus is working us forward. So, Mark, Absolutely. are you ready to talk about how Romans fits into this? Yeah. So let's let's pick up with with just a little bit farther in Acts then, right? So we got to the just the, the very beginning of this thing, right? Jesus is it, you know, Jesus came and and sort of started this movement. Um, the day of Pentecost is where it's it's like um throwing a little gasoline on the on the match right um and boom you know um but but what we see oh, no, is this, it was the holy spirit of god descending his well, fire upon them yeah, yes there go you ahead. Go. um so so you see this this renewal taking place among all these these jews who are coming to faith in the messiah right and, and again just just what the prophets anticipated um and and you see this spreading um you know, Jerusalem, Judea, all this stuff. And, and, and there's the, the story of, of persecution and all that stuff. But for our purposes today, uh, seeing the way that this gospel spread and more and more Jews came to faith in the Messiah. And yet we get to Acts 10 and, and the spirit leads Peter into taking the same message and then bringing it to the Gentiles as well. That that this this salvation in the Messiah was not just for to be reserved to the Jews, but to go out to to the nations as well. And so um, we see Cornelius and his household, um, and and we see uh, Antioch, and so many of among the Gentiles are coming to the Messiah, and all this stuff. And so you you've got this stirring. You know, not only has this exploded like wildfire among so many Jews, but now also among non-Jews, um, from the nations, from, from the Gentiles. And so we get to this point in Acts where, um, again, tensions are raising, um, people's categories are being busted, uh, assumptions are being busted, and, and you see this question that emerges. Okay, so yeah, we, we get the idea that, that God wants to forgive Gentiles too, but do they need to become Jews in order to be saved, right? Do they need to be circumcised and begin to, to observe Torah in order to receive these, these promises? And so you see all these leaders in, in the church, you know, gathering in Jerusalem to, to work through this important question, and it's established. No, they don't. Um, 
the Gentiles remain as Gentiles. They don't need to be circumcised and live under Torah. Uh, in other words, they don't need to become Jews in order to become the people of God, but it's by their faith in the Messiah that they're they're the people of God. And so that's the specific on the ground sort of historical debate in which Galatians emerges. And then Romans is in that vein, but coming at it from a little bit different angle, but that's at least the on the ground um, story. Yeah. Well said. Well said. Literally in 20 minutes, 18 seconds. <laughs> oh, excellent. Yeah. So, I mean, again, let me, let me close out by reading again, Romans 15 verse eight, where I tell you that Christ became a servant to the circumcised to show God's truthfulness in order to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. The Bible is the story of the mercy of God. Yeah. Amen. So let me try to tell the Bible story and then, then, then you help me make it more full. The Bible is the story of God's mercy. Humanity rebels into sin. Humanity is scattered for their sinfulness and they bow down to their idols. God promises to redeem humanity through the offspring of Abraham. He brings about a nation who is called to be this light to the nations, but they continually give in to sin. They go into the divided kingdom. It gets even worse. So God sends them off into captivity, but God in his mercy brings them back. And then there is one particular Israelite, one particular offspring of Abraham who will come, who will fully obey the voice of the Lord. And as the faithful offspring of Abraham, all nations are blessed through him. And then we come into the words of the apostles, the spirit speaking through them, that all nations, Jew and Gentile, circumcised and uncircumcised, all nations can be blessed through the promise that God made to Abraham and that he has now fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And that's the gospel according to Romans. Where what am I missing? Well said. Stand and stand as we sing, right? Yeah, exactly. All right, very good. Thanks for listening to the Gospel According to Podcast. If you have any questions about what you heard today, please send us a voice message. We would really love to hear from you. Make sure you follow us on social media, subscribe, and click the bell to get notified when we drop a new episode. Until next time, and for all time. Your God reigns.